I'm George Sleffo. And I'm Eileen Sleffern. And welcome to the debut of the third season of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We speak with the biggest names in digital marketing, and we're delighted to kick off this season with a remarkable guest, Shannon Reed, Senior VP and Head of Media for L'Oreal USA. Reed is a fascinating marketer. Prior to L'Oreal, she ran her own agency for 14 years and has incredible insight from the perspective of both agencies and brands. And you may not know it, but L'Oreal has deep roots in technology. The company has been experimenting with things like NFTs and is a regular star at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's also extremely sophisticated when it comes to things like first-party data and the future of identity. But before we get into any of that, we wanted to better understand who Reed is as a person. So we asked her about her daughter and how much money teens spend on makeup each year. Before we started this call today, you were telling us about how how much your teenage daughter actually spends on makeup <laughs> and cosmetics and skincare, fragrance every year. And she's not alone. No, um, <laughs> no she's not. <laughs> there's a new study from Piper Sandler that just came out um, that found that teens actually spend $264 million a year on cosmetic skincare fragrance, up 10% year over year, led by fragrance, actually, 33% increase year over year. L'Oreal has powered through the pandemic and is now seeing those numbers come in, seeing sales beat expectations. Um, has digital marketing played a role in the company's recovery? If so, and how has that helped? Digital media has been, I think, a, a focus for L'Oreal for many, many years. If you're looking at where consumers are spending their time, time spent with media continues to go up overall. Disproportionately, it goes up with video and digital, especially on mobile devices. And so if we're paying attention to where consumers are spending their time, if we're paying attention to how they're investing that time and also the experience that we're creating for them in that space, digital has to be a part of that. That doesn't mean that television isn't still important to us. It doesn't mean that print isn't still important to us. Uh, they certainly are, but they're for different parts of the experience that the consumer has with the brand. They're beautiful for storytelling and digital gives us the opportunity to start to bring them through and invite them through the experience a bit more. And we can create things like virtual try-on and skin diagnostics and really amazing experiences for them in in that space. That's that's super interesting. Uh, you, you had your own digital marketing agency for, for 14 years. Now, now you're with L'Oreal, you're on the brand side. Was there anything that you learned from that experience, like like coming over from, you know, having your own agency to L'Oreal, like what was the biggest eye opener for you? Or what was something when you got to L'Oreal, you're like, this has got to change. This has got to change right now. Well, keep in mind, I had been around L'Oreal from the agency side on the outside for many, many years, right? So I started working with the L'Oreal brands probably in 2004, helping them do e-commerce and digital media from my own agency. We had seven L'Oreal brands for seven years that we serviced. And then when I went to Group M, we won the L'Oreal business at Group M as well. So I was on the business there for almost two years and then coming back to it now on the client side. So I knew a lot about the business before I joined. It has been interesting to be on the client side. I love being so much closer to the manufacturing, to the product development, to the research and development, to the consumer insights. 
it's inspiring to be inside and understand how an organization like ours is so dedicated to the science and to the quality of the products that we put forward and the care that goes into that. And I absolutely love being in the position to help make the decisions on the media side and also make sure that we're an amazing partner to our media partners and to our agencies as well. That's that's super interesting. And I'm going to pivot a little bit somewhat over here. As all of our listeners know, and as you know, cookies are eventually going away. You know, this industry, like as as evident with like GDPR, they tend to wait at the last minute before making any changes. Uh, it's just common. I think we're going to see the same thing with cookies. But you've spoken before about how the loss of cookies can actually make advertising better. Can you give us some insight on that? Like, why do you think that is? Does that sound crazy that I think it can make it better? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not to me, but to some it may. <laughs> I mean, look, at the end of the day, the the what we do is an art and a science. And we have leaned quite heavily on the science for the past few years. And rightfully so. The data has been there, the ability to track consumers, the ability to be able to, to find them and target them. But if you think back about the experience that you're creating it can be quite an aggressive experience, right? I'm trying to get us all away from even talking about consumers as targets. They're people. They're people that we're trying to make a connection with. And if those connections are annoying or if those connections feel creepy because we're following you around the internet, nobody likes to be followed around by the lamp they already purchased. Even more annoying is like, I already bought light bulbs. Don't show me light bulbs anymore. Are, are you trying to tell us you don't collect light bulbs? I don't. I don't. No, I collect high heels, but not light bulbs. If you go back to how we used to media plan in digital back in you know the early 2000s, we truly handpicked every site that you were going to run on because you wanted to understand the content and the context with which you were placing an ad. My grandmother used to say, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. In some ways, we all have heard some semblance of the phrase, you are the company that you keep. And I think for brands, it's it has to be very important to make sure that you are showing up in places that are relevant to your brand. I don't need to be on every beauty site, although it probably makes sense for me to be on a lot of the beauty sites. But it might also make sense for me to be on sites where you're talking about travel, because when you think about vacationing, you might also think about your skincare. You might also think about needing sunscreen. You might also think about trying a makeup look that you haven't tried before. And so finding those relevant places to be, as opposed to something that feels completely incongruous to the experience, but it's targeted to you. You guys also test out a lot of new and emerging channels. You are present in the metaverse. You guys just filed like 17 trademarks to create like virtual cosmetics and NFTs. Why is it important to test out like new channels? I don't necessarily need the consumer to come to me. I need to make sure I'm available to them where they want to be. And so testing out those new channels, getting those experiences allows us to build new muscles in those spaces and understand how they work. We were early in Pinterest. We were early in Snapchat. We were early in TikTok. And I think those experiments for us are the things that allow us to be successful early and also to help those platforms often create the experience that makes sense to the beauty consumer in that space. There's a lot of tech in L'Oreal, but I don't think most people are aware of that. Can you give the listeners a little bit of color and insight about like your DNA there? Because once I learned that, it doesn't surprise me that you guys are doing things in, with NFTs, for example. It, it seems like you guys have been always doing this. We started as a, a science company. We were founded by a chemist. And with science comes technology hand in hand. 
And we've absolutely leaned into technology and what it can do for consumers over the course of our, our history. And we're constantly launching new things, skin patches that measure your UVA and sometimes even tools like our most recent Steam Pod with L'Oreal Professional. I think the opportunity for us to, to lean into technology allows us to help create products that that bring the experience of, of the products to life on behalf of the consumer. And it's uh, it's definitely a very proud part of our heritage. So just as companies are recovering from like the COVID slumps, inflation has been rising for a lot of consumers. What are you guys doing to keep loyalty strong with, with your customer base? I'm so proud of the work that we do in our area that we refer to as services, is we create these opportunities for consumers to engage with us in different ways. So we do that through, I think I mentioned it earlier, virtual try-ons, skin diagnostics. And again, I'm pulling those experiences out of the website and trying to put them into the media even so that I'm not, you don't have to come all the way to us to get that experience. You can do a virtual try-on on a search platform. You can do a virtual try-on in a social media platform. You can experience that lipstick. You can experience that foundation color before you ever purchase it. All of that leads to better consumer experiences and ultimately consumer loyalty. You know, the beauty space in itself has always been advanced compared to others in terms of first-party data, in terms of programmatic. For marketers who are not in your world, how does being like a marketer in the beauty space, I guess, differ than marketing in another field? Yeah, I think if I go back to some of my agency experience, I can tell you a little bit about clients where they didn't have the direct connection to the consumer, right? Uh, so if we go back to, to clients that were in the spirit industry or back to clients who were selling through third parties, the mission always there was to get the bar call or to get somebody to call out the product when they were specifically looking for you. That's a much harder connection to the consumer. I think it's much more difficult to try and create that connection than to be able to say, I want to have a direct relationship with you through a direct consumer capability through our virtual try-ons or through our services is our way of creating that direct consumer relationship. But it is one of the places where beauty is so personal it is so important to the consumer at the end of the day, right? It is that thing that makes my skin feel good or makes me know that I'm protected from the sun or gives me that little extra oomph in my eyelashes that gives me the confidence that I need for that day or the lip color that I just know goes really great with that dress and gives me a sense of pride in that moment. And because those are such personal experiences, I do think they create a sense of, of loyalty and, and desire that is different than any other client that I've worked on. I was just wondering, like, you know, social norms have obviously changed. How is the makeup of your audience, like your new audience, how has that changed? Because a lot of people just think L'Oreal, they all automatically associate women. I mean, maybe it hasn't changed, but you're the head of media. Like, what are you seeing, if anything at all? And if that's not the case, I mean, that's not the case, but I'm a little curious there. I mean, look, we make products for, for everyone, no matter how they identify. And I think we're very proud to be available to any consumer Again, no matter how they identify. And so, yeah, guys can use concealer and have a lot of success with it as much as they can use our acne creams from CeraVe. We're starting to see men wear nail polish, which is interesting for our, our brand Essie. And it's showing up on college campuses everywhere. It's a young trend. It's really interesting to, to watch. I think getting engaged with consumers and being available to those consumers is really important 
And knowing that the audience can shift and will shift and making sure that you're always watching it is also really important. I like to think that we do a very good job of that. I don't think things catch us by surprise very often when new audiences come into our products. You know, you've, you've been in this game for a while. So it's just like, what, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen as media in general has, has evolved? Yeah, of course. I mean, when we look back at media 20 plus years ago, before even before digital, right? Like go back to media before digital, it was so simple. You could really just reach the entire country. You had three major networks, maybe five. Then eventually you got cable. Cable, by the way, if anybody remembers, didn't have advertising when it first launched. That was its promise, was that you paid for cable and didn't have ads. And now it's filled with ads, right? It's just amazing to see how these things change over time. And then we launched digital. And I think, look, I'm one of those early digital people, right? I started a digital media agency in 2001 and I started in digital media in 1999. We kind of made it up as we were going along and we gave a lot of promises. And the promises of the early digital media were the things like, oh, I don't know, the fact that we could track every consumer with cookies. We knew that you saw the red banner, you clicked on the red banner, you went to the site, you made a purchase. I could do multi-touch attribution because you saw the red banner, you visited Google, you did a search, you went to the site, you made a purchase. And I had this very clean return on ad spend metric that I could look at on a very regular basis that showed me how my media was performing. And we gave this promise to the industry that everything was trackable. And then it started to crumble a little bit. And some of that crumbling had to do with viewability, which Group M was very early in pushing for the importance of making sure that we had viewability and that we were measuring viewability. And folks like Moat and IAS uh, started to show up and give us access to understanding invalid traffic and ad fraud. We also started to be able to track where our ads were showing up, especially as we got into ad networks and then ultimately programmatic. The risk in that space was that we were opening up to advertising being in places we didn't intend to be. I think the world has gotten a lot more complicated. It is not the simple, clean answer of run on three television networks, run in these three major magazine distributors and these four newspapers, and you can reach the entire country cleanly and clearly with clean measurement. It just doesn't work that way anymore. There are over 73,000 places and ways and combinations of places and ways to place media today by my own personal last projection, right? That's a lot of different ways to do things. Diversity in media, that's obviously become a focal point in discussion in the advertising world. Can you touch a little bit about L'Oreal's efforts and and what you guys are doing that previously maybe you guys weren't doing before, but, but now you're starting to put an increased effort? Do you have any insight there? We have diversity and inclusion objectives across the organization and across our supply chain and all sorts of other amazing spaces throughout the organization. When I try to bring those to media, I'm doing it in in really three different ways. So my first is to really focus on the delivery of our media. So what audiences are we reaching and are we reaching diverse audiences? Because diverse consumers are everywhere. The second is to really focus on the investment. So yes, we've heard a lot about the focus on Black-owned media. We made the pledge with Group M to 2% plus of our media in Black-owned media. And we're, we're pacing well towards that goal, which is very exciting and it's good, but it's not just about ownership. And that's one of the things that I, I've started to focus on really carefully right now because it's we want to make sure that we're reaching the creators 
and that our dollars are going to the people behind the scenes, not just the owners. And then the third place that we're focused on is representation. We've been a partner with See Her and the ANA since the very beginning. Uh, I like to think that we're one of their premier partners in how much we focus on women's equality in media. And I think the the future here is really understanding that we are a tapestry in this country. And we really want to make sure that we are reaching every part of that tapestry authentically uh, and that we're not leaving anybody out of the opportunity to partner with us or to be a consumer of our products at the end of the day. And that's it for The Current. But stay tuned as next week we'll have Kate Manfred, Chief Marketing Officer of Discover Financial Services. I really want people to know that we're more than a credit card company. We're a full-service bank that is a digital bank. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikic, Kat Vesey, Melinda Zurich, and Christine Gallagher. And remember, beauty is so personal. And because those are such personal experiences, I do think they create a sense of, of loyalty and, and um, desire that is different. I'm George. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next week.